Hello and welcome to a special edition of Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl, And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. We have a very special guest uh, joining us right now, Rob Reiner, uh, the director of this fabulous new movie on LBJ. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, but but we all remember you from, like, I don't know, Spinal Tap, All in the Family. You know, we, we, we'll, we'll get a chance to go through sure. all of this stuff. I okay. But this is a terrific movie on LBJ, and we want to talk about that. Also, some of the current uh, issues that, uh, that, that, that you've been uh, commenting on. Let's take a look, though, at just a short clip uh, from this terrific new movie. I remember sitting there watching you speak, thinking to myself, this young man's the future of the South. The best leaders of the time from both our states voted for secession. And they were great men who nearly destroyed America. I, I don't ever want a history book to say that about me. Mm. Let me ask you something. Mm. When's the last time you had a meal with her? She's an employee, but if you think that I would have any objection to breaking bread with her, then you are a fool. So you're telling me she's your equal? That woman spends more time in this house than anyone except Lady Bird. She is family. I don't know how I miss the resemblance. Look, what I'm talking about here is freedom. I'm talking about the preservation of a certain way of life, a way of life that you and I both grew up with. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so first of all, I have a confession to make. I was totally skeptical when I heard that you had cast You're not alone. Harrelson as Lyndon Baines Johnson. You're not alone. A lot of people have the same reaction. And I just tell them, wait. Wait till you see the picture. You won't believe what he does. So what you have done is you've taken a slice of LBJ. You've yes. got a little, the, a little the master of the Senate right. uh, through becoming uh, the, the vice president and then taking over for JFK and right. getting the civil rights bill right. passed. Which is interesting to me because this is about as positive a portrayal, about as positive a slice of LBJ's life as, as you could have chosen. And this is, look, he comes across as a bit of a jerk, maybe maybe a bit of an ass, but it's a positive portrayal. I, I, it seems to me that, 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 that the line that kind of sums it all up is when he's surrounded by his aides, he's just moved into the Oval Office, and, you know, he says, um, he says that, JFK embodied the people's hope, gave the people hope. We're going to give them results. Right, right. And 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 the thing, the thing about uh, LBJ and the reason why we we selected such a sliver of his uh, life, and it really only takes place within a two week period. Like you say, we show him as uh, majority leader. Those are flashbacks, but it basically takes place between the time that uh, Kennedy arrives at Love Air Force, uh, Love uh, Love Field. And the time that uh, Johnson delivers his very famous speech to the Joint Session of Congress about the Civil Rights Bill. And convinces Ted Sorensen to write it. Yes, yes, who was a Kennedy, Kennedy holdover, guy. yes. And the reason we selected that small little sliver was because I wanted to make a movie that told us more about Lyndon Johnson than we already knew. Everybody has this image of Lyndon Johnson as this bull in the china shop, arm-twisting, bully kind of guy who would browbeat people into getting legislation accomplished. He also had a very, very insecure, sensitive side. Uh, very, um, almost, he was almost paralyzed at times about uh, moving forward. He had a real insecurity about who he was, about feeling loved, 
And I took this t- this little time period because it was the time he was under the most pressure, having to assume the presidency after the death of a beloved president and who had, you know, Camelot and the, and the, the elegance of the Kennedys. And he was frightened. He was frightened and he didn't think they would love him like they loved the Kennedys. And one of the, one of the great themes running through this is the LBJ-RFK rivalry. Yeah. And you capture how much... Bobby Kennedy detested Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, they didn't get along. They didn't like each other. Bobby Kennedy did not want Lyndon Johnson on the ticket with with his brother. Uh, His brother and uh, father Joe Kennedy overruled because they felt they needed Lyndon to help deliver the South and deliver Texas. And they went with with LBJ. But Bobby was just, they were from different worlds, and Bobby and, and LBJ just did not get along. And, and I've seen you interviewed recently about uh, your perceptions of LBJ changing in this. You were of, of the age that eligible for the draft around Vietnam, the protests that surrounded that, his involvement in Vietnam, and I think the country's learned a lot more over that over time, the Ken Burns documentary yes. that's teaching us a lot about the decision-making then and the selfishness that went into a lot of the decision-making. But what is it about LBJ and this slice of LBJ do you think is so fascinating to, to Americans now 50 years on, the, 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 the way that he got legislation through, the way that he led in this period? A couple of things. One is, uh, I hated LBJ. I was of draft age during the Vietnam War, and I was against the war. I marched. My father marched. My mother was part of a group called Another Mother for Peace. They had a very famous poster, War is Unhealthy for Children and Other Living Things. So we were against him. He was an enemy. And it's not until I grew up, started spending a lot of time in the political world. I actually spent time in government. I had a job in California government for seven years. Got to understand more of what LBJ was about and the nexus between government, policy, and politics. And they have to be understood how they intertwine in order to move an agenda forward. You cannot do it. And we see how things are happening now. You have a president who has no idea how these things work. This guy was a consummate, uh, uh, consummately knowledgeable about how all that worked. So I, I wanted to show that. I wanted to show that, and 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 I changed. I changed my view of him. I've said many times, you know, and we've all said, had it not been for the Vietnam War, he would have gone down as one of the great presidents of all time. Yeah, if you did two weeks in 1968, in January of 1968, you'd probably have a very different. Uh, well, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, you can't take. Uh, Vietnam away. It is a tale of two presidencies because from a domestic standpoint, you have, except for maybe FDR, the most successful uh, 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 policy agenda of a domestic policy agenda of any president. Uh, it's, It's staggering the accomplishments he made between Medicare, Medicaid, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, uh, uh, Head Start. I mean, it, it goes on and on. And so, like I say, it's a tale of two presidencies. So how do you square this piece of it? And I, you address this in the film head on, but how do you square it in your mind with the profane, disgusting, vile LBJ that we know firsthand from some tapes, from accounts of, of AIDS? Uh, which we show Gro- in the I film. mean, gross, oh, yeah, yeah, gross yeah, yeah. stuff. I yeah. mean, really bad stuff. I yeah. mean, we can't repeat it even in our humble podcast. <laughs> how did that fit in? to your understanding of, of, of LBJ and, and why it's important. We've got a president now that a lot of people can, will consider pretty profane and disgusting and, and gross as well, but you see differences in leadership. But how did this fit into that LBJ? Well, the difference is uh, one knows how government works and knows how to get things done. The other one is just 
profane and, and, and crass. He doesn't have those other skills. Johnson, being as insecure as he was, he really knew he needed to function at a very high level in order to be accepted and loved. He looked at the Kennedys. They, they, people loved them. They were beautiful. And he talks about it in the film, the difference between a show horse and a workhorse. He was a workhorse, and he thought the only way he's going to get people to respect him and love him is if he showed he could get things done. So what was the process, the research process of this? Because you have the, the Robert Caro yeah, books, yeah, which, well, the Robert, which, which yeah. you could have spent a year yeah, reading, just, yeah. just those. <laughs> you, have, you have the tapes. Yep. Uh, you have the, the tapes from the White House. Right. The other books, I imagine, Mutual Contempt. Was that a book you, 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 I you didn't read? At? I didn't read that one, but I did read the Caro books, and they, you know, he is the preeminent biographer of, yep. of LBJ. But I must tell you that uh, reading the Doris Kearns Goodwin book, and uh, you know, we had a, a, a screening recently with her, and she worked for LBJ. She knew him well. She actually went down to the ranch in Texas and to write the biography. I teased a couple of things. She knew him more uh, personally and, and, and how he of viewed the world and how he functioned and his emotional state. And I teased two things out of there that I was able to get into the film. One is he had this uh, recurring dream of being paralyzed. He would dream, it had it over and over again of sitting and being paralyzed, not being able to move. And the other one was his relationship with his mother, who he felt at times didn't love him. She withheld her love. It was conditional. He had to be doing what she wanted to do in order for him to feel her love. And I tried to get that into the film, and that's why we put it at the time of the most pressure on him having to assume the presidency. And you see his relationship with, um, with uh, Lady Bird. And i got to tell you, this is a great story. We showed this film at the LBJ Library, and Le- Lucy Baines was sitting there. And I was so nervous. I was so scared. I was so scared. Yeah, this is, this is tough. Yeah. I was so scared. So we finished. The film finishes. And Woody, Woody Harrelson and I go up on a stage. And they're going to do a Q&A. And I, I can't talk because she's sitting there in the front row. And I say, uh, before we get started, I just have to hear. I mean, what did you think of this film, you know? And she stood up. I don't know if you've ever met her. But she's tiny, very formal. She stood up and she said, the man I saw on the screen tonight was the man I knew. Wow. Her dad. That, wow. And then that's wow. all I needed. That's all I needed. Yeah. So you, you enumerated the ways that Donald Trump is not uh, Lyndon Johnson. I, I remember when Barack Obama was said not to be Lyndon Johnson as well. He didn't have that same kind of quality. He came from the Senate as well, but not in leadership. He was only there for a short period of time. And the idea of cutting these deals and changing your principles, studying, watching this, could Lyndon Johnson be successful today in today's polarized climate? Or is that, are we missing the personality? Or was he just such a sign of the times that uh, that was a moment in history? I think he could be. I think he could be. I think it requires somebody who has the strength that this guy has. Not to say that he didn't fear things, but once he kicked into gear, that was it. He was definite about what he needed to do. Then you also know how to know, you have to know how the levers of government work. Give you an example. What did Mitch McConnell do? Everybody gives credit to, to, uh, to Trump for getting uh, Neil Gorsuch in. He didn't have anything to do with it. That was done by Mitch McConnell knowing how to manipulate the Senate in order to make Merrick Garland not even come up and not even uh, get a hearing. That's understanding the levers of government. If you know that in your bones, 
you have a vision of what you want to do, which Johnson did. The Great Society, the War on Poverty, this was his vision. Plus, he knew how it all worked. He knew how things went in and out of committees, and he also knew that you could not pass the Civil Rights Bill when, when Kennedy was president because he knew they were not getting those, that bill out of committee. He knew the Southern Democrats were not allowed out of committee. You have to know, like I say, the nexus between politics, policy, and government. And you have to know that. And if you're forceful enough, I believe you can get things done. Yeah, and, and you show him when he's absolutely refusing to compromise on the ultimately on the civil rights bill, right. uh, not going to water it down, going to do exactly the bill that, that, that Kennedy had, had, had introduced. You also show him being able to, like you said, hold back, deal with, you know, the, the, way, he, the way he deals with, with Russell is yeah, it's fascinating. Amazing. It's amazing. And also how to deal, I mean, you know, spend a lot of time on it, but with Everett Dirksen, the Republican leader. Right, and, and what he also knew is that he could count he would get furious at Mike Mansfield, who was the who was the the whip at the time when he was when when he was a leader of the Senate, and he'd get furious at him because he would say, "Well, it's about forty eight. He said, "About is not a number. I need to know what that number is." And he it's did. A great scene. Yes, the, yeah, he did the the calculations after Kennedy had died, and he knew that he was going to rely on the Republicans because he knew the Southern Democrats were going to. We're going to bail on him. He was one of them. He knew, yes. He knew what was going to happen, and he said, we're going to lose the South for a de- generation. It turned out to be many more generations than that. But he was willing to spend the political capital. He had done the calculation, and he knew he had the votes in order to make it happen. So I want to ask you about the story that's been consuming Hollywood and so much of the country the last couple of weeks. Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Who? Yeah, it's a story. <laughs> well, we can fill you in later on the yeah, details. Let me know what he did. <laughs> did, so did you ever work directly with him? Personally? No, no. I, I, I did some political things with him, but never in a show business capacity. And to be completely honest, I had no idea about this. I knew about his reputation as somebody difficult to work with. That filmmakers would tell me, you don't want to ever work with Harvey Weinstein. He's a bully. He, he's impossible. Doesn't but pay the, his bills. I I, yeah, but I, I never knew the, the sexual stuff. I, I didn't know that. So we saw Quentin Tarantino come out just, yes. just today and say that he thinks he knows enough now in retrospect to have said something at the time. What's the lesson there for you? And did, did you, were there any inklings that, that you, you said you didn't hear about the sexual stuff, but did enough people hear that they should have been saying something? I, I, I didn't know about it, but I mean, that doesn't mean that a lot of people did, obviously. And Quentin, Quentin Tarantino is one of them. And what I think he said is the, 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 the most critical thing if we're ever going to stop this kind of sexual uh, harassment. Women are up against impossible odds. That's why they don't come forward for 10, 20, 30 years, whether it's, you know, Harvey Weinstein or the Fox News or with Cosby or, you know, any of them. Because A, a woman is either uh, not going to be believed, believe that she was deserved, she deserved it, or she's going to get punished in some way. So when you have a president of the United States admitting publicly that he does that, how, how is a woman supposed to? Uh, defend herself. It's going to take the men. It's going to take people like Harvey Weinstein, who when they, you know, when you s- see something, say something. I mean, you, you're going to have to come forward and say, that's not appropriate. You're not, a, you're not allowed to do that. Do you think uh, there's more to come? I mean, are, are there more Harvey Weinsteins in Hollywood? Oh, you know, there's more Harvey Weinsteins in Hollywood. There's more Harvey Weinsteins in business, in broadcasting, politics. In, in politics. There's, there's that 
men abusing women is something that's happened for a long, long, long time. And I think the men have to be the allies. They have to stand up for the women. So, I mean, I have a daughter. I mean, yeah, I, that too. You so, know, and so. I, 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 I've, I've, I've barely talked to any woman since all of it that hasn't had some form of sexual harassment. Not one. I mean, you know, so the Me Too of it, you know, Alyssa Milano was great. She put up that Me Too thing. That's what has to happen. But the men have to back them up. 100%. Yeah. So I, before we let you go, um, I, 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 I got to talk. We got to talk a little bit about some of your other work because we, okay. we, we're, we're, we're huge fans here. Oh, good. But first of all, I got, I got one problem. I got one yeah. question about the academy. Yeah, the academy. Okay, so because so, we, we were having a conversation. I mean, yeah. think about you've done some of the most memorable movies of, of our lifetime. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, yeah, I mean oh, you know, thanks. I mean, top 10 list. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, starting with Spinal Tap, but you know, I mean, Princess Bride and Few, Few Good, Good Men, Men. Harry Met Sally. I mean, come yeah. on, I mean, come on. So I, I popped a, a little quiz to, to Rick. I said, how many, how many Oscars do you think uh, Rob Reiner's won? I, I, and I got it wrong. I, uh, you know, I'm he not, guessed I'm not five. Close. So, uh, yeah. So what so the I, hell? What yeah, are you do I got this? the same amount as Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, what's it, going on? It, it, you know, something. Here's the thing, and I, you know, it's it's this... like Bob Dylan not winning a Grammy until the mid '90s. I mean, is what's that going true? On? Yes. Is that true? Yeah, all those great, the greatest yeah. songwriter of all time. Yeah, yeah. Ever. But you see, here's the thing, you know, and this is going to sound, you know, really idiotic. You know, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> You know, because here's the funny thing. I mean, you you don't do it for that. Anybody who gets in it, you do it because you like the doing. I mean, here we're sitting here, right? I'm assuming you guys like your jobs, right? You like. I have to work with Rick. No, but you like doing it because look how much time you're spending. You're spending all this time. You got to go to the White House, sit in the briefing room, listen to somebody lie to you all day long. I mean, but you know what I'm saying? You got to like what you're doing because that's the time you're spending on the planet. That and with your family. That's yeah, it. Yeah. So the other stuff, it doesn't really matter. You take the victory on the actual doing and enjoying doing. So do you like Spinal Tap as much as we do? Or, or, or do you get sick of people asking you about it like me? Come well, up, look, I mean, here. There's a very fine line between stupid and clever. <laughs> so, uh, do I like it? <laughs> you know, that's the one. Yeah, no, of course I know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, my God. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll turn it up to eleven. Just in, 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 oh, you want to hear a great story about yeah, turning yeah, up to eleven? Yeah. Okay, so I'm at this party. This is years ago, and Elon Musk, yeah. you know, the guy who invented yeah. the, the, the yeah, Tesla, Tesla yeah. the Tesla, he drives in with this car, which I, nobody had ever seen. It's like, and I said, what is this? Elon? He says, this is a new car that I'm going to develop called the Tesla. I said, wow, it's pretty cool. Looking cool. He says, here, let me show you something. And I get, he says, sit down over here. And I sit down in the car, and he turns the volume up on the radio, goes to 11. Yeah, and to this day, every <laughs> Tesla, every Tesla radio goes, goes to 11. The, you knew that. Yes, yes, I didn't know. Yes, I mean, because incredible. people don't usually know that. And the air conditioning goes up to yeah. 11. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So final thought from you on this, because I've thought a lot about, uh, about the, the era that I was first aware of your work and, uh, and all in the family. Archie Bunker, that, that quintessential curmudgeonly guy, would from he Queens. Been, from Queens. Would he have been wearing the red hat, the Make America Great Again hat? You bet. You bet. No question about it. He's voting for, for Trump, you know, and he would be, we'd be in incredible fights. Uh, Mike and, and Archie would be fighting 
tooth and nail about about Trump. Yeah. Meathead would hate Trump every bit as much as uh, as, as much Ryan. as as much as Archie would love Trump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining yeah. us on Powerhouse Politics. It's thanks. a real pleasure thanks to have you here. Take I care. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that's it for this special edition of Powerhouse Politics. We'll be back next to talk about the uh, the Russia project or something. We'll get them back here. Thank you very much. Thank you.